trying to manage your expectations, allowing yourself not to, you know, to recognize that not everything's gonna be perfect about the holidays. Look at your effort, not the outcome. You know, we don't want to sacrifice the good at the altar of the perfect. The holidays are upon us, it's hard to believe. A season for giving and enjoying time with family and friends, but it can also be a time of stress and even depression for many, especially for those who've lost a loved one who, who are facing a life-threatening condition. On today's episode of The Upbeat, psychologist Dr. Jerry Florio joins us with some pointers for taking the stress out of the holidays and how to make the most of New Year's resolutions. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you, Mark. You were actually our first guest on our first episode of The Upbeat many months ago, so we're glad to have you join us again. And we should also point out that you were a founding board member of Kelly's Angels, the organization that, that puts this together, and you've been very helpful through the years. Um, last year, families around the world were apart because of the pandemic. There, were a lot of, there was a lot of loneliness and isolation. This year, we've made some progress but the, there is still a, a ways to go. Despite the happiness associated with the holiday season, stress, anxiety, and depression can often make cameo or unwanted appearances. What's, what sort of advice can you offer for those who are feeling the stress of the holidays? Well, you know, the holidays are a great time of year and um, they can be a very happy time of year, but they can also bring with it a lot of stress. The first thing I, I would say to people is that if you are feeling stressed, know that that's a very common reaction. It's not, you know, it, you're not doing it wrong or not, you know. Um, uh, it's not just you. It is not just you. The holidays are very stressful. There's multiple demands. There's plenty of things to do, you know, decorations uh, to be put out, uh, you know, baking, cooking, shopping, entertaining, visiting, um, just just multiple demands. And, and, and we're already busy to begin with. You know, this year there's, you know, there's a lot of added stress in terms of finances and, um, and the ability to get things. You know, another stressful thing about the holidays is just unrealistic expectations. We can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have the perfect holidays every year and everything has to be um, perfect. There's a lot of socialization, which can be fun, but also, you know, also be demanding. Um, and then there is just, you know, it, when things are going well, the holidays can add to that. But when life, you know, is hard, when life is um, challenging, difficult, uh, the holidays can be a, a, a tough time and people can struggle with loneliness. People can struggle with depression. They can look back on a year and, you know, if it's been difficult, it, it, it is, um, those things are kind of on our minds and highlighted. So there's plenty of reasons to be, uh, to be stressed. So. How you know, do, don't, don't be hard on yourself. How do we make sure though? How do we, are, are there ways, are there simple things we can do to make sure that these things that are weighing on us don't take a real toll on us physically? Yeah, there's a lot of things we can do. You know, some things we can do to address the stressors 
And then some things we do to address our own reactions, our, you know, our, our moods. And you know, in the trade, we, we distinguish between problem-focused coping and emotion-focused coping. You know, in trying to manage the stressors, good task management skills, you know, really making lists of things to do, prioritizing those lists, putting them in, you know, in, into an order that can be done. You know, your typical to-do list can be um, you know, can be very helpful. Trying to manage your expectations, allowing yourself not to, you know, to recognize that not everything's going to be perfect about the holidays, that they can That's still be good. One. Because we do, we have this Norman Rockwell uh, picture of, of what the holidays should be like for us, right? Yeah. That's one of the reasons I love Christmas vacation so much because <laughs> it pokes you know, fun at that idea, that, right? Yeah, and by that standard, we'll all succeed, you know. So, um, but but really manage, you know, th those expectations, and you know, we don't want to sacrifice the good at the altar of the perfect, you know. And we can. I love that. We, don't sacrifice know, the good at the, the altar, altar of the, the perfect. perfect. Putting on so much pressure. Judge yourself, you know. You know, look at your effort, not the outcome. You know, I'm really trying to make this the best I can for my family, for my friends, for myself. And, you know, and that effort is what, you know, that effort is what really matters. You mentioned family. How important is it to reconcile with family? We all have, especially those of us with big families, we always have that, that person in our family that we haven't talked to in a while. There may be a bit of, a, of tension or, or bad feelings. Is it important, especially at this time of year, to, to make that phone call or... You know, I think it really, it can be very important. You know, we are social beings, you know, and, and all of that starts with our family. We learn how to, you know, to relate to the world in, in, in our family. And, you know, and problems come and go, stressors come and go, but family is forever. And so, you know, I think it's really important to try to, to reconcile. To that can be hard though, it Jerry. Can be it hard. can be harder to reconcile with family, right, than it can with Most your friends. Definitely. And, and we, you know, we only have control over half of that. You know, we, you know, so what we can do is try to, you know, if, you know, maybe swallow our pride, reach out to someone by saying, I'm sorry, by accepting an apology if it's, if it's offered. Um, we, can, we can try to mend, you know, some bridges. You know, those kinds of things, saying you're sorry, accepting an apology, it doesn't change the past, it changes the future. You know, we all make mistakes. Um, and so recognizing that this, you know, the season of giving could be a good time to reach out. But you also have to recognize that that's all you can do. You know, if someone is not receptive. It's on them. And, and then you have to, you know, you, you have to then back, protect yourself. Isn't there power in reaching out? I don't, maybe power is not the right word because that's not typically a term associated with psychology. But isn't, there, isn't, isn't it a powerful feeling to say, you know what, I feel better at least that I reached out. Yeah, I think it's a very empowering feeling, you know, and, and it, it, we can, you know, when we take the high road, we can really start to feel good about ourselves and, you know, and it, and it, and it helps us uh, to do that. It also helps us to be more um, accepting of our own mistakes and, you know, shortcomings. I, someone said to me the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, but I, I love the saying, you know, uh, mistakes are like birthday candles. The more we have, the wiser we can be. 
You know? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I like that statement. So recognizing we're gonna make mistakes, people are gonna make mistakes. If I treat people with more compassion, more understanding, I can kind of you know, hope that people will do that the same for me. You're listening to The Upbeat, a podcast about hope and perseverance from Kelly's Angels. And we often talk about loss because we want to lift up those who have endured a loss or suffered a loss or are struggling with, with loss. Now, when you're grieving the death of a loved one, how can you remember them? How can you incorporate their memory into the holidays? Well, you know, loss at the holidays is one of the things that can make the holidays such a, a, a painful um, season. You know, when you have lost a loved one, words like sorrow and loneliness, sadness, longing, they take on a special, um, they take on a special meaning. You know, some holidays, the goal is just to get through them. You know, if, 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 if you're in that really acute phase of grief, the, the goal is to get through those holidays and, you know, try to be around people who are comforting, try to do things that will be comforting. Uh, but always, you know, I usually tell people those first holidays, have an escape plan, you know, because you may, this, I think this will work, but maybe, you know, it won't. As we move through grief, I think it is really important to try to incorporate the memory of, um, of our loved ones into, uh, in, into the holidays. You know, a piece of the holidays will always be forever, forgot, uh, different, yeah. and that's yeah. forever. You know, but there are ways of trying to incorporate things that were important traditions of that person. So they live on in the holidays. Um, and so, you know, I, I, most families, you know, who, who get to a, a, a good balance, they kind of create some new traditions and incorporate old traditions in with them, you know, and, and that's really what grief's about, finding a way to keep moving through life and stay connected to the love. I may have told you this story before when Kelly passed away and we had a seven-year-old and a, a five-year-old, Connor was seven, McKenna was five. I went to a grief support group. It was grief support at the holidays. And I was young, uh, Kelly was only 37 when she passed away. And I may have been the youngest person there, the youngest surviving spouse there, a room full of people. And one after the next, people shared. And they said, well, you know, that first holiday, Kelly passed away in October, that first Christmas I said, I'm not doing anything. I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling up to it, so I'm not putting up a tree. I'm not uh, doing any of the traditions that we typically do. And I sat there and thought, well, okay, but I understand where you are, but being a father of a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, no, it was not an option, so you, you have to forge ahead. Um, it also occurs to me that uh, faith is at the, the center of the holidays for many families. It's a, it's a high, holy day. Uh, Christmas in particular I'm talking about, but there are Jewish holidays as well. For families who may be spiritual, is there a particular way that they can cope, Jerry? You know, I think people who have um, a, a spiritual faith, it's a great resource. It's a great resource for, um, uh, for comfort. It's a great resource for meaning. You know, when a death occurs, it is an existential crisis. It causes us to question what life's about and um, you know, what, you know, what, go, what is beyond our, our life. And so a person's, you know, a person's faith at that time can be a really good resource for um, finding comfort, finding some meaning in some of the difficult things that happen. You know, most people are familiar with um, 
Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Five Stages of Grief. One of the, the men who worked with her is, um, has proposed a sixth stage, and it's called Making Meaning. And it recognizes that while a part of you may have died when that person is lost, that that person can live on in you. And when you find a way to make meaning and to, um, to stay connected, that that helps the grieving process. I and love I think that. there's so much. I, I love that. That's that. an example. Kelly's Angels is an example He's of a that. Perfect example of that. We help children and families in Kelly Mulholland's memory. Correct. So we've found meaning even though she's not here to experience it with us. And that I'm sure at the holidays, all the time, but especially at the holidays in a season of giving, that, that empowers, you know, that empowers you. You know, I lost my father a few years ago and my father was kind of my role model in terms of giving to others, you know? And so one of the things I do now at the holidays is try to find some way of um, doing some charitable giving because it, it just helps me to stay connected to him and he lives on through me and then hopefully through, you know, and my kids and... They've learned that. They're learning it from you, the importance of, of giving. You know, and Mark, to also for people who don't have, you know, some people struggle with faith and, and it is not something that they have and they can still hold on to that sense of meet, finding meaning. Um, connecting to something bigger than themselves. Um, and because grief is bigger than us at times, it's, it's crushing. It's, it's heavy, it's crushing, and it comes as, in waves, as, as yeah. you taught me many years ago. We're going to take a quick break to thank our underwriters. When we come back, though, we want to talk about resolutions. Do you have some? Do you make some? And what your thoughts are? Sounds good. Support for The Upbeat comes from the Bobert Family Fund, which supports charitable organizations that efficiently use the resources they have to make a disproportional impact on the world around them. The Cartier Real Estate Group, a trusted boutique brokerage in Saratoga Springs, New York, that helps clients navigate the complicated and often unpredictable process of buying and selling homes. From expert guidance throughout your transaction to ongoing advice on improving market value, the Cartier Real Estate Group works to help clients at every price point Realize their residential and commercial real estate goals. Learn more at thecartiergroup.com. And Noble Ace Hardware in South Glens Falls, New York, which offers competitive pricing and high-quality products for just about anything you need. For more than 30 years, the team at Noble Ace has delivered on its promise to be the most helpful hardware store in town by providing excellent customer service that exceeds expectations and reflects family values during each and every visit. Welcome back. I'm Mark Mulholland, and you're listening to The Upbeat, a podcast about perseverance and hope from Kelly's Angels. My guest today is psychologist Dr. Jerry Florio, who is the clinical psychologist at the C.R. Wood Cancer Center at Glens Falls Hospital and a friend of mine and a friend of Kelly's Angels. We talked about uh, coping a little bit. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about how people can cope, especially at this time of year. You know, we talked about some of those problem-focused strategies, how, trying to manage the, the, the stressors, uh, whether they be demands or whether they be mental stress we put on. It's also important to take good care of yourself um, during the holidays, to recognize that physical exhaustion is a, it adds to stress. So, we, you know, we need to, to get some rest. 
you know, you know, try to, to sleep well, try to eat well, take care of our health, take care of our, our mental health. I, I have to ask, because this occurs yeah. to me, we get that advice often. How do we prevent that advice from becoming stressful? Because we know we need to eat well, we know we need to eat, sleep well. Um, how do, you, how do you prevent that from becoming more stressful? Well, that's part of the, you know, maintaining a healthy attitude is to recognize that if I do more than I, you know, if I'm trying more this year, if I have a little more success than last year, then you know what, I am, you know, I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing well. I, I usually try to encourage people to, we're in constant conversation with ourselves. You know, we, I, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else, and we usually don't pay attention to that conversation. And it's in that conversation that we can make, you know, um, uh, when we don't hit the mark on sleeping well, eating well, taking care of ourselves, where we can beat ourselves up. Yeah. And I really encourage people to, you know, to, to try to take notice of that and talk to yourself as if you talk to a friend. If a friend said to you, you know, I'm trying to eat well and yesterday I just did terribly. Don't Would beat you yourself say, up. Boy, you you are a giant loser. You know? <laughs> no, you'd, I you'd mean, say you don't no beat friend. yourself up, right? Of course. Tomorrow's another day. You know, treat yourself as well as you would treat your friends. Other people. Um, because we, you know, so pay attention to that. Pay attention to that conversation that you, you, you have with yourself. So doing things like, um, you know, keeping your physical health up, keeping your mental health, you know, up, making some time for uh, things that will ground you, things that relax you, things that, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be a lot of, time even during um you know during the holidays um just sitting down and having a cup of tea you know just listening to some you know to some holiday music just for five or ten minutes you're making a powerful statement that yeah there's a lot to do but i matter you know i have to you know i have to take care of you know i have to take care of myself and then um, you know, again, th that's where monitoring your expectations. Things do not have to be perfect, that the important things in life are the people around me, you know, and um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll let some of the to-do list go and, and be around some people. Don't sacrifice good at the altar of perfect. Yeah. Okay, resolutions, losing weight, exercising more, eating healthier, sleeping more. They're among the most common. Um, unfortunately, I think research shows that only a small percentage of those who make resolutions report being successful with those resolutions. Instead, most of us abandon them relatively quickly. Why is that and is there a way to avoid that? Well, you know, I, I think the reason why most people, I think people are sincere in wanting to, you know, um, wanting to make positive changes, and I think that, that people put a lot of effort into it. I think sometimes what could happen is they're not setting themselves up for success. You know, and, and one of the ways we can set ourselves up to, for success is to, you know, to um, establish SMART goals. You know, when we're talking about a SMART goal, we're talking about something that's specific. I want to be healthier. Well, that's a hard thing to do. You know, I want to go to my annual physical. I want to exercise Truly achievable goals. Yes, and they have to be specific, you know, so we know how, you know, what we need to do. They have to be measurable, you know? So I wanna lose weight. I wanna lose four pounds. 
I can see if I'm measuring, you know, I, I, I want to, um, you know, work out two times a week. I want to walk four times a week. Um, I want to, you know, walk for a mile. I want to work out for 20 minutes. You know, the more measurable it is, the better it is. Attainable. You know, they, you know um, Rome wasn't built in the day and we have to walk before we can run. So, you know, for me to say, well, I want to run a marathon this year, you know. You can I, do I, it though. Well, <laughs> I'm almost 60, so <laughs> I don't think I can do that anymore. But they have to be attainable. They have to be, you know, something we feel like we have the tools to do. You know, um, the R in SMART is they have to be relevant you know, and real and important to us. If, if it is, you know, the more valued it is, the more we're going to, to do it. And then timely, you know, I want to do it for this long. Um, do you make resolutions? I do, I do. You mind sharing one? Or? I, I, I don't at all. I, last year, you know, through COVID and all of the, um, the, the disconnection, my resol- I, I made a resolution that I was going to reconnect with two friends that I had lost contact with. It was one of the highlights of my year. So I, I plan- love that. I plan to do that again. I'm going to pick another person. Achievable, measurable, achievable. specific. Yep. I, you know, I'm going to I'm going to identify the people. I am either going to. And we all have them. We Everyone do. in our life. We all do. Everyone in our lives have those people who have we've lost contact with, and we often say, you know, I'd really, I'd love to contact that person, him or her again, and wonder what they're up to. It, social media has changed a little bit of that, but the people, <laughs> the people we really want to have contact with might not be uh, the yeah. people who are on Facebook or on social media. Yeah, I'm not a Facebooker, and you know, so I had to actually pick up the phone and, and um, you know, and, and, and call people. I realized over the COVID that I had allowed you know, and I, and, and I have to take responsibility. I had allowed being busy to Be negatively. In, yep, it's, and it's a great excuse. I know people are, are familiar with Brene Brown, but she's a very wise, you know, uh, woman. Uh, she's a social worker, does a lot um, on overcoming shame. And um, she says that, you know, workaholics, you know, that's, it's another way of avoiding things that, you know, we may find difficult uh, to do. She said, you know, alcoholics meet in church basements. If they had meeting for workaholics, they'd be in stadiums, you know? <laughs> so it's it's, it, because it's a socially acceptable, you know, I, I, I felt good, I'm busy, but I realized that I, my life is not richer without other people. Love it. Um, let's, let's talk again about stress. It doesn't necessarily have to be at the holidays. That's, uh, that's when this, uh, people are listening to this podcast, but, um, General signs that a little anxiety is something more than that. What should we be looking out for? And how do we know when to seek professional help? That's a great question. So let's talk about adults, you know, first. And we can talk about adults and kids signs in, in, the, in the different ones. So one of the things that you, we, we look for in adults is a change in performance. You know, so now you are starting to have difficulty. You know, you can't keep up with the things that usually you know, you, you have been doing. Um, when you start to lose, you know, it starts to impact your sleep and your, um, you know, when it, it, your appetite. It starts to, you have difficulty controlling your mood. You're starting to have outbursts that you might not um, be aware of. Physical pain can be 
um, a, 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 a sign. You know, you always have to look for for the f medical, physical, you know, um, reasons. But stress can also cause pain that can uh, cause us to um, cause us to to realize we need to get some help. Panic attacks. You know, a panic, what is it? What's a panic? Attack? A panic attack is a sudden, intense flare of the stress response. So the stress response. Heart rate quickens, breathing becomes shallow and rapid, mu uh, muscles tighten. So people all of a sudden start to feel pain. They have commonplaces in their chest. They start to breathe quickly. They, start, they, they feel some threat, but then the reaction increases the threat, which increases the reaction, which increases the threat. You know, so you're off to the, you know, they are very frightening. Um, they are sometimes triggered by specific um, stimuli, or they can sometimes happen when someone starts to relax. They kind of let their guard, you know, let their guard down. Um, and they are very, you know, they are very distressing. Does someone who experiences them or has experienced one need to seek professional help? For they, that kind of uh, they will usually end up going to an emergency room, you know, because they think that they are, something is, phys they f you feel like you're dying. Um, and they are, they, they are very upsetting, but they can be treated very um, quickly. For depression, you know, some of the signs for depression that you want to watch out in adults is that you start to disengage. Um, you know, one of the things, you could be sad and not depressed. You know, people ask me a lot is, you know, is being happy the opposite of depression? And I say, not really. I mean, the opposite of depression to me is engagement. When you start to, when a depression starts to um, when it, it starts to grow and get problematic, people start to withdraw from activities, from other people. Everything starts to feel like a chore. They have trouble, you know, they either sleep all the time or they don't want to sleep. So if someone in our life is withdrawing a little bit. Reach out. It okay. could be a, you know, it could be a, a, a sign of depression. The other sign, you know, reliable sign of depression is a change in thinking. People get more negative in their thinking, they get more narrow and narrow and negative about themselves, others, and the way the world works. And, and um, depression, again, very treatable, but can be a potent, um, a, a potent force for destroying quality of life. It occurs to me we're hearing more about anxiety than ever before. People say, I have anxiety, or I'm being treated for anxiety. Is that good? Is it, is it good that we're, we're able to talk about it more? Or conversely, are we talking about it, maybe not too much, but is it used too often? Or is it, is it identified maybe too often? Yeah, I think both of those things are true. I think it is good that we're talking about our anxieties more, but we have to recognize the difference between anxiety, which is a normal feeling state. I, I have, everybody has anxiety. But one of the things important, again, in that self-conversation, I'm anxious. Yeah, I'm anxious, but I can still do this. Anxiety is actually a potent motivator of behavior. If I'm anxious about a test, I'm gonna get myself into the library and study, and I may do better. You know, there's the, the Yerksey-Dotson curve, stress and performance, anxiety and performance. It's an it's a upward, re, upward reaction to a point, and then it goes down, you know, then the more anxiety, it, it goes off. So the mood state, it's, it is a good thing for us to talk about it. An anxiety disorder, is anxiety to the point that it starts to um, it, it starts to 
have an impact on functioning. And, that, and, and, and that's, that's the difference. One's very normal and natural and, and part of life. You know, people say I'm anxious, you know, sometimes, you know, um, people apologize for crying, you know, saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, ang-, you know, you know, that means you're paying attention. I remember from my freshman year in college, a psychology class where the professor explained anxiety as a lifesaver. If, yeah. you're, if you're in the woods and you see a bear, it's thank anxiety for giving you Getting the out. ability to get out of there, right? I mean, and, that, and that part of our brain, the, the midbrain, the limbic part of our brain has evolved to do that. And, and it's great at doing that. What it's not great at doing is differentiating between social embarrassment and a saber-toothed tiger. Right, right, because lots of people are anxious, have anxiety over social interactions. And they have that same, and and when that system fires, it's the same reaction. We need our frontal brain to help us distinguish between those, those two. Anything you'd like to add about stress at the holidays, Jerry, and how we can maybe navigate through it better? Well, you know, one of the, the things I think that is really important to, to help with, with stress is to, and this is with any stress, but is we don't have to do this all by ourselves. You know, the, um, our, our social support, so encouragement, you know, comfort, someone who makes you laugh, helps you just keep going through, you know, through life. People who are willing to help us, you know, with um, just getting things done. Uh, you, know, it, 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 you know, the Bible says it's better to give to, than to receive. I think it's easier to give than to receive for a lot of people too. It's hard to ask for help. But at the holidays when things get tough, I think it's important to, you know, to be able to ask for help, um, to be able to lean on others. That we're not, we don't have to do this all by, our, you know, we don't have to do this all by ourselves. We're, we're, we're more powerful when we are linked together. Dr. Jerry Florio, thank you for spending some time with us and sharing your expertise. It's always a pleasure to have you. It's always my pleasure to be here, Mark. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who is listening. Whether you celebrate Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, and any other holiday tradition, we wish you all the peace, joy, love, and hope of the season. And may the new year be filled with good health, a lot of laughter, and smiles. We'll be back in the new year with new episodes of The Upbeat, including a candid conversation about finding love after loss, and we'll explore the healing power of music. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Mark Walholland. Until next time, stay on The Upbeat. If you enjoy The Upbeat, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have topics you'd like us to cover on The Upbeat, please send your ideas to theupbeatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. On behalf of the volunteer board of Kelly's Angels and the families we help who are facing life-threatening conditions, thank you for listening to The Upbeat. Nice job, McKenna Rose. Thanks, Dad. You too.